Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. COVID-19 has turned the world upside down. But is there any hope for us in these dark times? As you listen to God's word today, may it become for you fresh water for your thirsty soul, give you hope to cope, and wisdom to thrive, excel, and become everything God says you are. God bless you as you listen to today's sermon. Amen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Amen. So I came very ready to preach. Very, very ready to preach because it's the first Sunday in a new year. And then just when I was hiding in the corner praying, I sent the Holy Spirit saying, no, don't preach to them. Speak to them. Amen. Speak my heart to them. So this morning we are coming to have a conversation that hopefully will resonate with us, will stay with us throughout 2021. Amen. The conversation is about walking in your gifting or using your gift. Amen. Using the gift God has given you. So what you'll notice is that I actually walked up here into the pulpit holding a camera. Okay. That is one of my giftings. I don't make cameras. I use them. <laughs> I wish I could make them. I like using my hands, so it would be a nice skill to have, but that's not my gifting. My gifting is to use them. And I just sense that. Speak to them about using their gifting. Amen. So 31st, during our watch night service, we looked at 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 1 to 7, where we meet this widow whose husband was a prophet who served under the prophet Elisha. And he wasn't a bad prophet. He wasn't predicting elections and getting different results. He wasn't conning people for their money. He probably was too honest. He died broke. <laughs> and his widow and his two sons were stranded. And then this woman goes to see the prophet Elisha. And the first question he asked her was, what help can I give you? And her response was silence. Because she had spent all her time rehearsing her problem. She had spent all her time being overwhelmed with her difficulties and hadn't given a moment's thought to the solution, the potential solution to her problems. So the prophet continued. So first he asked her, what help can I give you? And because she couldn't answer that, he proceeds and says, what do you have in the house? What do you have in your house? This is a question we see sometimes in different wording, but the essence of that same kind of question, we see many times through scripture. To Moses, it was, what do you have in your hand?
To the disciples, their answer to that question was, all we have is five loaves and two fish. How can we feed these thousands with five loaves and two fish? Of course, that, that answer can only come from being asked, what do you have in the house, in the coffers, in the bank account, in your life? And her response to that question, what do you have in the house? It's quite baffling because the first three words, if you're reading the New Living Translation, the first three words in her response was nothing at all. Nothing at all. And then she continues and says, oh, but a flask of oil. It wasn't a jar. It wasn't a gallon. It was a little flask of olive oil. If we're going to excel in 2021, we have to drop the nothing at all mentality. Amen. There is nobody who has nothing at all. The grace of God is shed abroad in our hearts. His grace is sufficient for all humankind. You won't find a single human being who walks this earth who has nothing at all. And when we look at this woman, this widow, she says nothing at all but just a flask of olive oil. And then we start looking at her life and we're like, no. The question was, what do you have in the house? Which presumes that she must have had a house. She didn't get down a tree and walk to the prophets. <laughs> she lived in a house. She had a place to stay. We don't know whose name is on the papers of that house. But we know she didn't come from the streets. She wasn't homeless. So she had a house. Apart from that, she said the creditor wants to take my two sons and turn them into slaves. So we knew, we know from scripture that she had two sons. These were sons who were big enough to carry jars filled with oil to the brim. They were not little children. Worst case scenario, they were teenagers because the vessels were borrowed. The jars are made from clay. They are fragile and they were borrowed from neighbors. I won't trust Atto with a neighbor's jar that I have borrowed, which is full of oil, because he's only eight. But Paco is 14. And with a little caution, I can trust him to move that. In fact, they were old enough for the credit, creditor to consider using them as slaves. They could work. That woman had solid labor sitting in her house. Apart from that, she still had her faith. Amen. And I think probably that was the most important of all her assets. She had lost her husband, but she hadn't lost her faith. She didn't have nothing at all. She also still had access to the prophet. Poverty can sometimes be de defined as the denial of access. The difference between societies that are rich and societies that are poor is access. 
And that's why sometimes to keep a group of people poor, all you have to do is deny them access. This is why you have words like apartheid, segregation, gentrification. All these are human systems to deny somebody access. And that's why sometimes the most powerful thing you can do to end oppression or poverty is to grant access. That is why in some countries, women will still go on the march. What are they fighting for? The right to drive. To drive a car. Go on a demonstration. Why would anybody deny a full-grown human being the right to drive their own car? Because they want to keep you down. So this woman still had access to the man of God. And not only did she have access, the prophet told her, go to your neighbors and your friends and borrow vessels. That woman had what we call social capital. Social capital is extremely, extremely valuable. This is somebody a creditor was after. But her neighbors and friends still gave her their jars. <laughs> they give their jars to her knowing if she breaks them, she can't replace them. They must have really, really liked her. So she wasn't as poor as she made it sound. Not at all. Not at all. She was a very, very blessed woman. And plus, she was very eloquent. She made a very strong case before the prophet. Very, very strong case. She was a very, very blessed woman. She had lost her husband, but she was very blessed. Amen. 2021, if we are going to excel, we have to check our attitude. And I want to take you to the origin of the word attitude. So, I was a fine art student. And in fine art, the word attitude often comes up in figure drawing. When we draw people, the word attitude is a very, very technical word because the person would normally maybe be sitting or standing and then you have a room like this and maybe they are seated here. And as the artist, I take my drawing book or easel, whatever, and I have to choose the position I want to stand from which to paint or draw the person. You understand? So, attitude in art is the point of view I choose in relation to the subject. So, I can go low if I want the person to look taller. I choose a position where I see them elevated. I can go high and then they look shorter. I can magnify or make them shrink, all based on my posture. 
posturing is critical. It is very, very true in fine art. And it is very, very true in life. Amen. Posture is critical. You know, after this woman has a conversation with a prophet, I kept wondering if she was to return tomorrow to see the prophet, will he grant her access? Because all she did was come and complain. That's all she did. She didn't even come with a, a plan of how she wants to get out of poverty. And we look at this woman and then we compare her to somebody like Joseph in Genesis chapter 41. After years of being imprisoned for crimes he didn't commit, after years of enduring slavery, for, no, for nothing he did, for just being a gifted child and favored by his dad, things he couldn't have done anything about. After years of so much ordeal, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 41 verse 14, that finally when he had access to Pharaoh, first, he quickly got out of prison. Quickly, he didn't waste time when the opportunity came. And then he made sure that before he got into Pharaoh's presence, he shaved and changed his clothes. Amen. He shaved and changed his clothes. And then when he stood before Pharaoh, we all know the gift Joseph had. His gift was to interpret dreams. But you talk about value addition. When you get to verse 30, you see him after interpreting to Pharaoh what his dream means or what his dreams mean, he tells Pharaoh, now I want to advise you. He shaved and changed his clothes so that when he stands before Pharaoh, Pharaoh will take him seriously. You know, somebody would have said, no, I want him to see how much I have suffered in prison. I want him to see the, the scars on my body, how worn out my clothes have become. I, I want him to, him to see my suffering. I, I know, I want him to know. My beloved, <laughs> I'm going to point out three people and all of them had suffered. This widow has, had suffered. Joseph too had suffered. In fact, Comparatively, Joseph had suffered more. He didn't go to Pharaoh talking about how life had been unfair to him. He doesn't even mention his past. This is hard to say, but please, let me say this. You are not the only one with a past. And in case you are dealing with some issues now, you are not the only one with problems. You know, when you meet people, don't let them only remember your problems. Give them ideas they can buy into. Amen. Let them remember you positively. This is what Joseph does in Genesis chapter 41. He stands before Pharaoh and talk about value addition to talent. In Africa, many people are talented amazingly talented dancers. You know, like you see a kid, one year old, and they just dance. But most of them will never win dancing competitions as adults. 
Why? Because it is one thing to be talented. It's another thing to grow the talent. Amen. In fact, somebody who is not talented but has the right attitude will normally go much, much further than somebody who is talented but has the wrong attitude. A good example for those of you who love football is Cristiano Ronaldo. When I watch Cristiano Ronaldo play football, his play isn't beautiful. He's not a messy. You know, he's not, he doesn't have the dexterity and agility Messi has. But he's a machine. He's learned to be fast. He's learned to be focused. He's learned to shoot accurately. So, <laughs> he plays like a robot. If he stands here, sees the ball, knows he can measure the distance and he'll shoot. You know, It's not stylish, but he'll score you. And then you find out that he starts training around 4 a.m. He has, to, he has a certain number of hours he has to work out. And if by 2 a.m. he hasn't achieved it, he'll wake up and run. Whether it's snowing, it's whatever, 2 a.m. you see him running. Attitude. When I think attitude, all I see is Cristiano Ronaldo. If you just walk towards any of the soccer pitches you see in Africa, you see people, talent, you know, amazing talent. No discipline. And when you ask them, oh, my mother didn't help me, my uncle didn't help me, and the, 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 the government didn't help us. But in that same situation, you meet people with much, much worse, like in Joseph's situation, who excel tremendously. And the difference is posture. That's all it is. Yesterday, during a online service. In fact, just before I preached from this same scripture, the Holy Spirit just told me, listen, there's something you are missing. Look at the scripture again in 2 Kings chapter 4. That woman had a little flax of oil, but her neighbors and friends had empty vessels. There are many empty vessels out there waiting to be filled. Amen. And this is why attitude is important. This is why respecting your gifting and placing value on it and developing it is critical because there are many destinies attached to yours. Amen. She had left hers in some corner. It's just a little jar, a little flask of olive oil. It isn't much. I can't get much value for it. But no, when God breathes on a gift, <laughs> amen, there is no telling the impact it can make. If that woman had found a billion empty vessels, she would have filled a billion empty vessels. The oil didn't cease to flow until she stopped pouring. Amen. The five loaves and two fish in the Jesus story would have fed seven billion people if there had been seven billion people hungry that day. The bread and fish didn't stop multiplying until all 12,000 people present had been fed. Don't underrate your potential. Amen. Don't underrate your gifting. Let's drop the nothing at all mentality. What you have is somebody's prayer topic. The gifting you take for granted, somebody's praying for. 
when I got the desire to become a photographer, I was working in advertising. When the passion started, I was a, a copywriter at Low Linters. So I worked as a writer and basically as a creative. And for all the years I worked as a creative, later on I moved to another agency and my fancy title was creative director. And I say this to the glory of God. As a creative, there wasn't a year I worked in advertising that I didn't win awards. Not one. I was a prolific creative. I mean, I say this to the glory of God. But a time came when it didn't excite me anymore. I got exhausted from coming up with ideas brand managers and account managers were afraid to run with. Even though I could make a very, very strong case based on their own brand positioning and strategy and say, this is what you should do. Based on what your competitor is doing and your budget and this, this is what you should do. Like, oh, huh. And, I, and at some point, all I wanted to do was make photographs. That's all I wanted to do. Wake up in the morning I'm thinking photography. In Ghana, at the time especially, nobody respected photographers. Photographer is what you became when you dropped out of school and you weren't strong enough to become a mason or smart enough to become a carpenter or a bicycle repairer. You could consider becoming a photographer. And then you find some bicycle and move from church to church on Sunday morning. Nowadays, with a little printer in your bag. And then you print and you harass people to buy and pay you. That was the perception. When I worked in advertising, in spite of all my prolific abilities, I think the car I, I owned, I had taken a loan to buy which was good because at least the company gave me 10 gallons of fuel every month and I didn't have to pay interest on the loan. But my car was borrowed. <laughs> and then, because my passion was photography, I was like, listen, this is all I want to do. I can't give my clients my best when this is my obsession. So I became a photographer. And sometimes I look at the audacity. When I see some of the photos I made in the early days, I'm like, that was audacious because they were horrible. I mean, now that I know better, <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe people paid me for those images. <laughs> they were terrible. <laughs> terrible. But I think I believed in the dream so much, people bought into the dream. Amen. They bought into the dream. Today, the house I live in, I didn't borrow a CD for. Amen. Not a CD. Not a dime. I didn't raise an offering in church by forging prophecies for people and threatening them if they don't sow. God provided through what was in my hand. Amen. 
I've been to places I never would have been to if it wasn't for photography. Nobody, I mean, I'll, sometimes I'll go out with friends and like, oh, how, how should I introduce you? And I said, photographer, like, oh, how? You are more than a photographer. You know, let me say, visual director. <laughs> you know, <laughs> multipotentialite. You know, because you can do this and, you know, you are more than, I said, no, photographer. Because the gifting doesn't look attractive. But you know, today, everything is about content. I can count, the, I mean, I can't count the number of young people I meet who want to learn photography. It's almost, it's almost as if every young person I meet wants to learn photography or videography. You know, because their world is very, very visual. They want to create content for TikTok, Facebook, WhatsApp. I don't know what else is coming tomorrow. But it's all very, very visual. And God gave me this gift that if I had listened to what the society thought, I never would have developed. How do you move from executive creative director of TBWA? The world's most creative ad agency. This is the agency behind Apple, Sony PlayStation, Adidas. And you become photographer. Brafuto that nobody respects. You know, so sometimes we spend a lot of time praying and shouting and believing and confessing scripture when all we really need to do is to walk authentically, to be obedient, to be very honest with ourselves. What brings me joy? Selling peanuts brings me joy. How can I add value to that? Joseph's gifting wasn't attractive at all. Dreamer. So, it is such a lazy gift. You know, so, uh, Joseph, what are you doing? Oh, I'm sleeping. Hey, 2 a.m., you are sleeping. 3 a.m., 4 p.m., you are sleeping. Why? You know, my gift is dreamer. If I don't sleep, I can't dream. Not only did people not pay him for his gift, he actually often got into trouble for his gift. It felt like there was no value in it. And then one day, a king shows up who places value on that gift. Amen. And by that time, Joseph himself also had added value to the gift. So he didn't just interpret his dream and leave it there. He went ahead to advise the king on what to do. Amen. He went ahead to advise him on what to do. In Acts chapter 3, this is where I end. I think I've pushed it a bit, uh, forgive me. But in Acts chapter 3, we meet Peter and John going to the temple at 3 o'clock to pray. And they went through a gate called Beautiful. And there was this crippled man begging. And Peter tells him something. I mean, if you grew up in church like me, some of these creatures you know. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I thee. See, he's asked for money. You know. I used to be a fisherman. I was doing quite well. And then I became a missionary. And the church is so young, so I'm broke. I can't give you money. <laughs> Peter tells him, I can't give you money. Silver and gold have I none. But his next words 
are very important. It says, such as I have, what I have, I give you. Amen. What do you have? It says, such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you go to value addition again. He didn't leave it there. The Bible says he stretched out his hand, held the crippled man, and helped him up. Amen. What do you have? What do you have in your hand? There are many empty vessels out there. Many, many destinies waiting for you to find the value in your flask of oil. Waiting for you to find the value of your flask of oil. We make too many excuses. There is a law called the law of use. It says, whatever you don't use, you lose. It's a very, very important law in life. The law of use. Whatever you don't use, you lose. And it's a very, very scriptural law. In the parable of the talents, the master told the servant who was given one talent. Do you remember the judgment that was proclaimed on that servant? And the Bible says, even that which he had was taken from him. Everybody has something. Everybody has something. So this is the conversation for this year. Don't worry about how you will survive. Focus on growing your gift, on amplifying it, on adding value to it. Amen. It doesn't matter if people respect it or not. It is your gift. If you don't place value on it, nobody else can. Nobody else will. It is your gift. You must place value on it. The difference between me and the photographer who takes five CDs a print is that I know the value of my gift. That is the only difference. Some of them are brilliant photographers. Brilliant. And as cameras become very digital and very sophisticated, nowadays you don't even need to understand how cameras work. You put it on green, you point, you shoot, and you most probably will end up with a nice photo. But the difference is that I know the value of my gift. So there's not a day I don't do something in relation to photography. Not a day. I mean, it's not, it's not a decision. You know, It's not like every day I have to do something. But I don't remember, in the past many years, I don't remember a day when I didn't do something in relation to photography. If I'm not judging a competition, I'm reviewing a photo, I'm reading an essay, um, there's always something. Worst case scenario, I'll be carrying a camera. <laughs> Amen. And, and that's what I want to share with you this morning. God will take care of you. You don't have to worry about that. But please be obedient. And the best posture of gratitude is to develop the gifting he has given you. Such as you have, such as he has given you, give to others. Put to good use. Amen. So when he comes, he can say, well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you five talents. You've multiplied it to ten. Uh, I gave you two. You've, you've turned it into four. I gave you 16. You've made it 32. You've made it 100. Well done, good 
and faithful servants. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this word. We pray for the grace to be able to work it, to manifest it in Jesus' name. Help us. Help us where we lack courage, where we are afraid. Bring people alongside us who will encourage us when we need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's sermon. If it blessed you, share it with a friend. For more information on how to fellowship with Accra Community Church on Zoom, visit our website, www.accrachurch.org. God bless you.